0: Tonight is February the 5th, 2014, and the title of the message is Plow in Season. Uh, I was reading the other day, uh, and uh, just reading a Proverbs through the day, and uh, you can t- this tells you how long ago it was. I was in Proverbs 20, and I read, read verse 4, and it says, A sluggard does not plow in season, so at harvest he looks. But finds nothing and uh, i always want to put myself in the place of the scripture of specific kinds of people in the scripture obviously i don't want to be the sluggard so that's someone i don't want to be and so if i'm not going to be a sluggard and the sluggard doesn't plow in season so that means i need to plow in season so that when i look for the harvest i will find something so that kind of just stuck in me and uh that concept has been just rolling around in my heart and in my mind for the last uh well last couple of weeks uh plowing in season and, and what that looks like and uh the last couple of weeks in my life have been a new season and I feel like I've been plowing and plowing and plowing and plowing and, plowing and uh not necessarily not necessarily seeing this crazy, awesome, abundant harvest. I feel like I'm so focused and so, oh, this is what needs to happen. Uh, it's plowing, it's plowing, it's plowing. But let's talk about plowing for a little bit. Um, back in the, uh, back in the 80s, probably before some of you in here were even born, can't even conceive the 1980s. Uh, it's a lovely decade. Uh, back in the 80s. <laughs> yeah, no, no amens on that one. So I used to spend a lot of, uh, a lot of all my summers and uh, after school at my, at my grandmother's, and she lived in the the uh, the ghetto, Oak Cliff, Dallas, Texas, the heart of the ghetto, and uh, spent all my time there. Uh, a lot of my time, which I, I love her so much. She's 92 years old now, uh, still has a uh, a spry mind. Uh, unfortunately, lives in a nursing home, but she was a morning yard until she was 85. So that's why why she's 92 years old. Uh, until she fell and hurt herself, and now she is where she is. But I spent a lot of times there. And back in the 80s was uh, where I learned just to to mow yards, to rake leaves, and all that kind of stuff. in her yards, well, we had a friend of the family. His name was Leon, and uh, he was like my standing grandfather. I didn't know either one of my grandfathers. And she was the only grandparent I ever knew. And so he was kind of a stand-in friend of the family, standing grandfather. He lived about three-quarters of a mile down the road in the ghetto, and uh, one thing that you wouldn't expect to find there is a uh, is a garden. Half of his backyard was a garden, and then a big little part in the back was this mulch pit that smelled pretty nasty. Because now that I know how to make mulch, I realize what was actually in it when I was in it trying to whatever I was doing as a kid. I don't even know, but now I realize what was actually in it. Um, so he had a garden, and I remember as a little kid, uh, and I, I, mean, I still remember like the taste of of. I mean, a vine-ripened tomato, not the ones in the store that come on the mountain, but like actually picking a tomato off the vine and eating it. And there's no comparison to that kind of taste. And he, he grew tomatoes and onions and cucumbers and all kinds of stuff, all kinds of vegetables. The tomatoes are the only ones I like, the little round ones, because you could just down them, you know, left and right, and pretty soon you begin to look like the tomato that you eat. Um, so as a kid, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed going and picking picking baskets of tomatoes, and maybe the ones that weren't quite ripe, he'd put it on the windowsill. I just have these vivid memories. But as I grew older, uh, I began to do a little bit more of the labor. As I became a little bit stronger, a little bit, uh, not wiser, because I don't know how much of a nine or ten year old can, how wise they can be. But as I grew uh, into someone who could actually carry my load, he began to work me a little more. And began digging and uh, planting and all that. So that was kind of fun. As I grow, grew a little older, 12, 14 years old, uh, he handed me uh, a gas-powered tiller. And I don't know if anyone's ever used one. You you know, you know walk behind it, it's got these tines on either side. And you crank it, you pull it, and it's probably harder than any other other mower you've ever... It's just, I don't know what it is. Any machine like that has to be hard to start uh, so, and it it's hard to keep going as well, so you walk behind it, and it's uh powered, and it just tills the ground, just digs in, digs in, digs in, the first time I use it, man, this is hard, I get blisters all over my hand, you know, I'm like, man, this is what it takes to, and so before I saw all these, probably six rows of gardens just, you know, piled up, and, and stuff like that, and so you go back before all the vegetables are there, and you just have dirt, and old vegetables, or old stalks, and all that kind of stuff, there's just junk, and there's, bird bird stuff in there there's rocks or i don't know how, how do rocks get in there i don't even know but you uh probably the kids from the ghetto throwing the rocks into the at the birds that are in the yard eating the vegetables so sitting there tilling and tilling and i was man this is a lot of hard work man tilling this ground just just turning it over and this is only the prep work for what begins and i don't think we understand uh the prep that some of us have the gardens and we've got them all blocked off and stuff. But if you're going to till up the ground and break up the ground, I mean, it takes a lot of hard work. And now we have, you know, we have tractors with discs. We have combines. I think of, I'm going back again, going back to Green Acres. You know, it's a place to be for. It's a life for me. I think of the, you know, guy riding the tractor. I don't even know what his name was. Riding the green tractor with a with a little disc turning in the back, tilling up his land. You know, so you got this automated stuff. Now you have the big combines that come by and they just till up everything and you just ride and they sit there in these air conditioned booths and they got the radio going and they're just chilling out while they're working. Uh, so a lot of times we don't understand what goes into the process of tilling the ground, but I want to look even further back. Uh, and I was going to get all fancy and innovative and have pictures and stuff like that, but, uh, I'm just, I don't have pictures, so sorry. Uh, but if you, I remember, Actually, this time last year as uh, as we were going to India and we were about there about a little over a week and we were driving from, we had just got done uh, up in the mountains, uh, up in Uti and we were driving back, making our way back to Chennai, going through Tamil Nadu uh, and we actually saw on the side of the road saw an oxen with a plow and a guy plowing behind an oxen. I'm like, I've never seen that before. I've, I've had the little power till where I'm just kind of digging away and thinking I have a hard life because I'm getting blisters because I'm running this little single power thing. you know. But here's a guy who actually has cattle pulling this, holy sacred cow, pulling this, I don't even know, like a skid, a plow behind it. And it's got this little wedge that just digs in. He's got these handles. He's just holding on and he's just going to town just making this straight line, going to town. I'm like, that's, I mean, you don't ever see that. And of course, you go to India, you see that all the time. You see it on the side of the road all the time. So I remember thinking this process of, of plowing, it's a, it's a hard process. And I think as we see, as we obviously look back in, in the time frame of the Bible, they didn't have the combines. They didn't even have the little powered hand tillers. You know, they give you blisters on the hands. They had, walk behind a cow and let it, drag this spade into the ground and dig it up one row at a time, one row at a time. And when you're processing, when you're plowing, the process is is hard. It's a hard process, but it's a necessary process because you're not going to get anything in the ground if you don't plow up the ground. If you don't dig it up, there's going to be rocks that you run into. There's going to be things, obstacles that get in your way. But in order to have the harvest, to find something at harvest time, you've got to start by plowing the ground. You can't do anything else without plowing the ground. Uh, it's also monotonous. I mean, you see these perfect rows of, I mean, you drive down uh, 523 there in and you see all these perfect rows of uh, maize and cotton and all this kind of stuff, and just it looks beautiful. The uh, amber waves of grain, I don't know if you've ever, you remember hearing that in the song, actually. And a certain time of year, you actually I was like, "Oh, so those are amber waves of grain i I was a city boy, apparently grew up in the ghetto and all that kind of stuff, so I never saw amber waves i didn't understand that I just sang the song because I was told to memorize it and sing it uh but you actually saw amber waves of grain and all these straight rows and beautiful, i mean, just amazing, but those straight rows don't get there by themselves. It takes precise." Uh, movement and precise timing, and when you're looking at a cow and a single spade, and you're going row by row by row, it can seem a little boring, right? It can seem a little monotonous. Yeah, yeah it's it's kind of me like, okay, really, when am I going to be done? But it's a necessary process that we plow the soil in in order to have a harvest. I mean, some some of us want to just have this amazing tree with branches with fruit just falling all over here's my fruit here come partake but we forget that we need to plow the land we need to plow it first and then plant something and then let it grow and let it flourish uh but plowing is really uh it's a gift from god it seems monotonous it seems hard it seems uh it's just a hard thing to do a hard process in all of our lives but it really is a gift from god and uh I'm gonna show you where it actually says that, and we turn to Ecclesiastes chapter three, and already everyone's thinking of the beginning of the passage with the uh, is it the mamas and the papas do everything. To... One person there. My wife's there. There. Hallelujah. She's there. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. And I'm just going to start reading. So we're talking about plowing in season. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. A time to embrace and a time to refrain. A time to search and a time to give up. It's a lot of time. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. Verse 9, what does the worker gain from his toil? I have seen the burden God has laid on men. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the hearts of men. A little gladiator action there. Yet they cannot fathom what God has done from beginning to end. I know that there is nothing better for men than to be happy and do good while they live, that everyone may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all his toil. This is the gift of God. I know that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it, and nothing can be taken taken from it. God does it so that men will revere him. Verse 13, I mean, I've I've read uh, the first eight verses. We've all probably read them throughout our lives. Uh, But 13 just, man, is jumping out. That everyone may eat and drink, that harvest... And find satisfaction in all his toil. This is the gift of God. So the gift of God is finding satisfaction in that toil. Not getting bogged down with the monotonous. Not getting bogged down with the hard. Is it going to be hard? Yeah. Is it going to be monotonous? Yes. Are you going to be tired? Yes. If you are plowing in the season that God has you in it's going to be tiring it's going to be hard it's going to seem like it goes on and on and on especially in a season when you have a new baby and then you keep crying and you keep getting up at 2 and 3 and 4 in the morning it just goes on and on and on and on until you finally get out of that season it's coming Spencer it's coming I'm just telling you. But our satisfaction is in this toil and that is the gift God gives us to be satisfied in that work and speaking of probably more so to the men. We have that satisfaction in that toil in that just embracing the hard work that we're supposed to do. And we look at going back in those first verses and the aspect of, of plowing. You uproot something in order to plant something. If a plant has already given all of its fruit, given all of its vegetables, whatever it is, What's left? Just a dry stalk when it, the season's over. So you expect that thing just to grow something without any work. Or No, it doesn't happen. You have to uproot something in order to be able to plant something new, to plant something uh, that'll produce. You have to tear something in order to build it. It's like your muscle when you're breaking it down. In order to build your muscle up, it has to tear. It involves pain. It involves hard work. But the only way you're going to build something is to tear it down first. You have to kill something in order for it to heal you have to tear down in order for it to build you have to die in order to be born you have to die in order to be born sounds like a very familiar verse Uh, and that just reminded me of Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12 says the word of God is living and breathing and sharper than any of any two-edged sword thank you sharper than any... I'm not used to using all this technology with the screens. Verse 4, Hebrews um, 4.12. Sorry, 4.12. Forget that I can ask for that. For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. So the reason there's a cutting, there's a tilling, there's a toiling, is to bring life. The word of God cuts going in, cuts away the flesh, severs it, and when it comes out, it brings life. It brings life into the body, and life into the soul. And there are different seasons of plowing in our life. There are different fields that we're given to watch over. Um, if you have kids, that is your field, especially to the women. That's your 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 season for this field. It's not. I mean, there's not going to be there the whole time. But it's your season, and, and to the, the husbands and the fathers as well. It's our season to plow, to work in these fields that are our children. And if we don't take advantage of that, do you really expect fruit to come? Do you expect something just like, well, we're just going to bring our kids and just surround them in church and just, you know, our, our church is better than your church, so all these people just surround them with the Word of God and the Spirit and all this kind of stuff. It's just going to happen. You know, they're just gonna turn out to be good kids. And I don't even have to do any work because they're just gonna show all these other good kids are gonna shape them. No, it takes work. Isn't that right, Rick? It takes work. It takes some plowing. It takes a little a little pressure whether it's coming on you, where you whether you're applying the pressure, you're impressing the word of God upon your kids. It takes some work. So there's seasons of plowing in life, seasons, fields that we're given charge over. And you may ask, well, what does my field look like? I don't have kids or I don't have it's not really obvious. What is my field? Is it I don't have a backyard where half of it's a garden? Like what is my field? Well your field could be work. It could be God has opened this door for you, and like it or not. So where I'm at, and this speaks to me, and this is why it hit so hard when it spoke to me, is I'm in a new season of life right now. I've stepped into a position of sales and uh, management of crews and of customers. And everyone knows how much I love to sell and how much I love to talk to people. And I mean, I'm just, I've talked people's ear off and I just relate so well to people. So I'm in the season of plowing and learning something that I know is going to make sense, is going to help me for the future, Right now, I don't necessarily understand it, but I know it's got to be repetitive. I know it's got to be this and this and this, and it's teaching me to learn to to work with different personalities, to work with different people. When you come across this, I know it's going to benefit me in the future in ministry and with my family and with everybody around me, but uh, I'll be honest, I'm not a salesman. I'm not a, I don't have this, I I couldn't go to a car lot and talk you into buying a car. You know, if anything, I'm going to talk you out of it, you know, like... Ah, uh, your car's got another 80,000 miles on it, no problem. You saw my truck was driving down 90, Highway 90, and it had a hundred and what, 88,000 miles on it, something like that. But boom the bottom, the, uh, I don't even know what that's called anymore. Praise the Lord, I don't have to mess with that anymore. But the, uh, the joint on the, just snaps and just falls and skids. I, there's probably a skid mark still on Highway 90 where my truck's at. 15 years old, great truck, bought the truck, and we got it fixed and everything, and it's in the process of being sold. But I'm the kind of person who's like, oh, you can keep it a little bit longer. You can, I mean, yeah, you don't have to buy anything right now. It's like, no, we don't need a new couch. What are you talking about? Those are great couches. Like, we're not falling through. There's not rats living in them. They're great couches. So I'm in this season of selling, of learning so much. And God is, I believe that God has put me in this season. For a reason, sounds like Christmas it's a season. For a reason, to learn uh, from people around me, from people in this industry, and I'm I'm obviously familiar with the construction industry. Been doing it for three and a half years, anyway. But to learn this, I mean, just to make myself better. I know God has put me here, has placed me here, and it seems monotonous at times. It seems hard. It seems out of my like. I don't want to call you. You've rejected me three times. Why would I want to call you back again? Why well, do I don't want to be rejected again? But this is what I'm supposed to do. So I keep plowing and plowing and plowing. So my field right now, one of my fields that I have is work. And so this might be, you might be called to a new area of work. You might be like, man, this is frustrating work. I'm Speaking especially to the guys, this work is frustrating. It's hard. Oh, man, I thought God. Well, if God called you there, He's called you there. And if it's hard, then so be it. Rejoice in it, because that's where God has you. He's called you to work hard, to be a hard-working man, to keep faithful. I know, and there's a lot of people that have stepped into new jobs recently, new businesses, and new everything. Uh, I would just encourage you to keep plowing that field. The field may also look like your neighborhood. You keep plowing it and plowing it and plowing it. You keep talking to your neighbors, you keep inviting them to a poker night, or you invite them to Something to come to a home meeting and then they get scared away. But you still keep inviting them because they don't understand what goes on in our home meetings. Um, y'all saw our neighbor when she came over. She's a little, little frazzled. But you keep inviting. You keep plowing that neighborhood until God moves you to a different season, and then you get to plow a new neighborhood. You get to do something new. In ministry, you keep plowing the ministry. You keep going and going. In Luke chapter nine, verse sixty-two. Jesus is, is, we're talking about the, uh, the price of following Him. Chapter nine sixty two. you can turn there if you want, or just read it on the screen with us. Jesus replied, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. So if you're going to plow, you're going to keep your face forward. You're going to keep looking towards what God has told you to look to. You don't look back it's like, Man, it was so much easier when I was just sitting at a desk typing away. It was so much easier when I was doing my own thing. It was like it was easier when I was just going to school, you know, being a full-time student for 10 years, you know? You still got my associate's degree, but I'm a student. No, you put your hands to the plow, and you keep plowing, you keep looking forward, and you keep plowing that field that God has given you. You plow the field of your family, the family God's put you in, whether it's a house whether they're blood family or not, whether they're your kids or your whatever family it is, the family that is this church. You plow the field. You plow this church. You plow what God has given you. And we look at some of the tools that we have and we may think, like, well, what have I got to offer? What what am I going to plow? Man, I don't have a tiller. I don't have a little walk-behind power tiller. I don't have... All I got is a shovel. All I got is a stick. How am I going to plow with a stick? Well... Turn to uh, Exodus chapter four. This is worth turning to. You're like, man, what have I got to give? What have I got? To... What I have is meaningless. It's it's insignificant. You know, it's just it's every day. It's just a normal part of my life. What do I have? Exodus chapter fourteen. I, I still got to get there. Exodus chapter four. I see. I had little place markers in my Bible. I thought it was going to be smart. Had all my little stones sitting there, you know, marking every place I was supposed to go. And my 16 month old daughter likes to get into our bags and pull stuff out. And so I think she pulled all of my markers out. So I've just been humbled and having to turn the pages instead of beating everybody. God's plowing the pride out of my life. Exodus chapter 4. So God's telling Moses about all these signs that he's going to show, all these miraculous signs. In order to prove that he is who he is, and he's supposed, and Moses is the one that's going to deliver the people. And we look, and let's start in verse 14, where the Lord's anger burns. That's always a good place to start. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses, and he said, What about your brother, Aaron the Levite? Because he's just, Moses just given an excuse. He's like, Send someone else to do it. I can't speak. My man of, Uncircumcised lips. I don't know. I'm unclean. What about your brother Aaron the Levite? God says, I know he can speak well. He is already on his way to meet you, and his heart will be glad when he sees you. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth. I will help both of you speak and will teach you what to do. He will speak to the people for you, and it will be as if he were your mouth, as if you were God to him. But take this staff in your hand so you can perform miraculous signs with it. What staff did he have? What was he, what was he doing? What was he helping his father in law? What was he helping Jethro with? What was shepherd? The shepherd staff. I mean, that's just, he's been doing it for 40 years. His everyday tool. I mean, it's just, here's what I have. I mean, here's my, uh, here's my portfolio. or Here's my, uh, my little clipboard with my, estimate sheet on it. Here's my, here's my tool. I mean, you really, you really going to use this? Lord, really? Really? How are you going to use this? That's probably what Moses was thinking. It's a staff. I mean, it's, I mean, I don't know how many sheep I beat over the head with this staff. You want to use this to perform miraculous signs, but this staff was used. But take this staff in your hand so you can perform miraculous signs with it. And we all know the signs that he performed with it. The plagues that came, just the different things, he had this staff with him the whole time. Just a normal everyday thing. So you may have excuses. You may think, well, what do I have? What I mean, what I'm not significant. God has given you a tool. He has given you something to plow with. He's giving you something to advance the kingdom with. And don't underestimate the tool that God has given you, the field that He has placed you in. You are there for a reason and you are supposed to plow it. And you're supposed to make it fruitful and make it multiply. Maybe I'm talking to, to a lot of men here today because that's our calling. We're supposed to plow something. But women, you have something to plow to. Perform, you're welcome. Miss Joe, you've done some good plowing. I'm just telling you about now. You got some good kids. Perform miraculous signs with it. So what is God giving you to use? He's giving you tools. And what is the purpose of plowing? I mean, just to plow, just to create hard work just to make blisters just to get your feet dirty just to no (laughs) it does feel like it sometimes again again okay the purpose of plowing is to break up the soil i mean let's break it down to just you say oh it's for an abundant harvest so we can feed the nations well let's just start with a spade being pulled behind a ox or a cow with your hands on it what i mean what why are you plowing? To break up the soil. You're supposed to make good soil. And that reminds me of in Matthew chapter 13, you don't have to turn there, but the parable of the soils. You know, guy was throwing seed on different soils. And the one that fell on the good soil is the one that grew, that was fruitful, that multiplied. Well, what do you think made a good soil? It was plowed. It was ready. All the weeds were taken out because there was some weed, weedy soil there was there was rocky soil someone didn't take all the rocks out of the field there was stuff it grew for a little bit but then kind of got blown away but there was good soil didn't fall on a path didn't fall there was good soil that the seed fell on because it was plowed because it was made ready to receive and maybe this is our hearts man it's not maybe it is this is our hearts too God's plowing our heart. He's doing, he's putting people in our lives to plow stuff out of us, to plow the flesh, the word of God, to rightly divide joint and marrow, to get the flesh out of the way so good seed can fall in good soil. And that's the reason why we plow, because we want to have good soil, because we want to produce a good harvest. I mean, why else would we do? I mean, I'll work. I'll do whatever God tells me to I will plow in a straight line. I won't even go to the next row. I'll keep going in a straight line if that's what He wants me to do. But I know there's a reason that He wants me to do that because He's expecting a harvest. He's expecting a return. He doesn't want me to bury something and like, okay, here it is. He then wants me to invest it. He wants me to work it. He wants me to be fruitful and multiply. So we talk about the harvest because that's why we plow, because we want to harvest. We talk about... We're back in Ecclesiastes 3. It's talking about the harvest. What does a harvest look like? There's a time for a harvest. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Turn back there with me if you want. Or it's going to be on the screen. I'm speaking it in faith that it's going to show up on the screen. I'm, prof- I'm I'm. Just kidding, I'm. i not prophesying. So give me. There's someone pregnant in this room. Feel it. It's a harvest. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant, and a time to uproot. So you, if you've uprooted, you've toiled, but there's a time to plant. In order to harvest, you have got to plant something. You got to put something in there. There's a time to kill and a time to heal. There's going to be healing that comes after everything's shifted out of the way, everything's sifted through, all the rocks, all the weeds. There's going to be healing. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. A time to search. A time to give up. A time to keep. A time to throw away. A time to tear. A time to mend. To get everything back into order. If you've torn all the stuff, all the useless stuff out of there, you get it, you mend it back into order. You, plow, you get it into these rows, these beautiful amber waves of grain rose that you're going to see because you know it's coming. It's a time to be silent, a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. There's that time now of planting and harvesting. And I, when I think about going back to plowing and the season, I mean, all of us are benefiting from the harvest that is this church, the harvest that is life-changing ministries and fellowship. Um it's phenomenal. I mean, when we came here three and a half years ago, we had visited before. We had shown up in the garage over off of Mesquite. I think Natalie actually helped paint a wall or something back in the days before. I don't even know if I knew you. Did I even know you? You painted a wall before I even knew you. Um, we got to visit a few times as we were courting and we were in Dallas and dating and all that kind of stuff. And... Uh, so we knew we were coming into something good. We knew the spirit was there, but we got to step into the Eldridge building, and then we got to be a part of moving over here into the sanctuary over there, and then the build out over here. And some people would just come into this part of it or at different phases. But there was over ten years of plowing there were, to, to make this to be able to enjoy the fruit that we have here today, to be full of life and full of the spirit and full of godly people who love the Lord. There's a lot of plowing that had to happen. A lot of ground that had to plow. I mean, plow from one house to the other, from a living room to a garage, and then to another living room to a garage, and then to a storefront, and then to another storefront, and then to a warehouse. I mean, there's a lot of plowing. And we're just talking about locations, but there's been a lot of spiritual plowing, a lot of life plowing, a lot of shifting. And I'm blessed to be a part of these branches that are Overwhelmingly full of fruit and we're able to partake of it, but we can't forget how much plowing had to take place in order to make this happen. And that's the same walk that we all have in our own lives. We are called to a field. We're called to this field. We're called to help plow because just because we're here and things are fruitful and things seem awesome and spirit filled doesn't mean there's not more ground to plow here. There's not more neighborhoods to plow across the street. There's not more neighborhoods Right next door to your house that still need to be plowed. There's not whatever, not other countries that still need to be plowed as we go and we reach out. Uh I'm thankful and I'm blessed to be a part of someone who stayed the course. To be a part of the Stevens and the Piro's who were faithful to plowing over and over again, month in and month out, year in and year out. Because it was worth it. Because they knew there was going to be a harvest. And they knew. And you know what? Even if, it wouldn't have come in 10 years. They're still like, yeah, we'll still keep plowing. Sure. We'll still keep working. We'll still keep digging in. Thankfully, it didn't happen. You know, you're not still that dirty. We just get dirty occasionally. Just when we have to build out, just when we grow, we got to get a little dirty. So I'm thankful for the plowing seasons. Um, some of you are in business seasons of plowing where you're, you're venturing out, you're stepping out. Even if you're not here, you're listening online, you may be like, God's calling me to do this. Nick, you just went into the meat factory business, running that. It's like, did you have any idea what you were doing when you jumped into it? No idea. But God told you to go, and you plowed, and you're still plowing, and you're seeing fruit. Amen. Amen. So people are getting called out. I already told you, I'm in a field that I am so unfamiliar with. I might as well be back in India in a field because I'm very unfamiliar with it, but God has called me to it just as much as He... Called me to go to India last year. And He called me to be a part of going to Peru. And everywhere else, He's called me and blessed me to be able to go. God's called me to this season. There's different seasons with uh, with olive shoots. I mean, what an amazing feel to have. What I mean, I'll just talk about my wife for a little bit because I want to embarrass her. But she's, I mean, <clears throat> never in her life did she think she'd be a teacher. You know, never. I mean, she was... Wait, she, I don't even think she wanted to have kids when we got married. <clears throat> she's like, what do you think about kids? I'm like, oh, yeah, we'll have kids. you know, Because I'm around cousins like, eh, we'll see. We'll see. And She's like, oh, you want me to watch kids? No, that's not, no, I'm not gifted. Yeah, I'll do this, but yeah, pretty much everything but watch kids. And now I mean, look at where she's at now. I mean, she's actually teaching a class. And kids are learning. I mean, she's plowing. Has it been easy, babe? No? No? So you mean you had to get your hands a little dirty? You had to dig in. You had to take a little, a little this way and a little that way from your kids, from your cohorts, Here. co, uh, was co-laborers. Sorry, yeah, I was looking for a co-word, but I couldn't. Uh, but it's been fruitful. I mean, our kids are learning. Our kids are loving Jesus. I mean, they're dancing. I mean, how many of our kids love praise? music when they're in the car and they're lifting their hands and they're clapping they're singing. i mean how cool is that and god's giving don't overlook those seasons that we're in because they're going to be gone soon and be faithful to plowing be faithful to getting the junk out of the way and putting good seed in so that we can see a harvest in our kids first corinthians 9 I'm only preaching long because Mario told me to. 1 Corinthians 9, starting in verse 7. Who serves as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard and does not eat of its grapes? Who tends a flock and does not drink of the milk? Do I say this merely from a human point of view? Doesn't the law say the same thing? For it is written in the law of Moses, Do not muzzle an ox while it is treading out the grain. Is it about oxen that God is concerned? Surely He says this for us, doesn't He? Yes, this was written for us because when the plowman plows and the thresher threshes, they ought to do so in the hope of sharing in the harvest. If we have sown spiritual seed among you, is it too much if we reap a material harvest from you? If others have this right of support from you, shouldn't we have it all the more? Paul is talking about the harvest that he spiritually he's sown and plowed a whole lot in the Corinthian church and has done a lot and he's talking about some. there's some monetary aspects of that. But going back up into verse 10, it says, When the plowman plows and the thresher threshes, they ought to do so in the hope of sharing the harvest. So they don't do it meaninglessly. They do it knowing that they're going to have a harvest. They're going to share in the harvest. And the reason we plow is not just to be busy not be busybodies and just fill our days with meaningless things and just hard work and just tire ourselves out so we can sleep good at night and wake up and do the same thing the next day. It's because we want to share in a harvest. Because we have something to look for. Something to look forward to. You may ask, what does planting look like? What does harvesting look like? What does fruitfulness look like? And The first thing I think of is Psalms chapter 1. That's one to turn to. Psalms chapter 1, verses, starting in verse 1. And I think this encompasses really the whole process of plowing and planting and harvesting in these three verses. Psalms chapter 1, starting in verse 1. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of mockers. So he's plowing stuff out of his life. He's not in the council of the wicked, or with sinners, or with mockers. He's getting evil out of his life. He's getting flesh out of his life. So he's plowing because he wants good ground. Verse 2, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. So after he plows and gets all that out of his life, He begins to plant the Word back into his life, into his mind, into his spirit, into his body. Day and night he meditates on the Word and he plants something of value in good soil. Soil that's ready to receive something good. And in verse 3, He is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. So we see a harvest As he's plowed, as he's gotten evil out, as he's put the word of God into his life, this person becomes a tree planted by streams of water, which has fruit in season. His leaf does not wither, and whatever he does prospers. So as he's been faithful in this season of plowing and planting, he's seeing fruit. But it takes those seasons. I was reading the other day in Jeremiah chapter 17. I was actually read that and it reminded me of Psalms chapter 1. But again, it's also reflecting on the process of plowing and planting and harvesting. And We'll start in chapter 17, verse 5. Jeremiah 17, verse 5. Start with the Lord cursing, because that's always a good place to start. This is what the Lord says. Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who depends on flesh for his strength, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. He will be like a bush in the wastelands. He will not see prosperity when it comes. He will dwell in the parched places of the desert in a salt land where no one lives. Verse 7, But blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in Him. He will be like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when He comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. So we we see as we don't depend on our flesh, as we don't turn away from the Lord, as we trust in Him, as our confidence is in Him, we will be that tree, that fruitful tree planted by the water that sends out its roots to the water to draw of it. It doesn't fear when heat comes because you know it's going to come. Heat's gonna come. Pressure's gonna come. You're gonna get under pressure, aren't you? That's gonna happen. There's gonna be drought seasons. There's gonna be, but you don't worry in the drought. The tree has no worries in a year of drought. Not just a little weekend of drought. Not just a uh, little Houston two month, you know, drought, three month drought, and then floods like a, who knows, like a flood. It was like a flood doesn't worry in a year of drought it never fails to bear fruit because you've done the work you've plowed you've planted and you're being fruitful so even when that time comes when the heat comes the pressure comes the drought comes there's no worries and the reason why we have that harvest while we plow while we plant while we harvest is not just to partake not just to like we saw in Ecclesiastes chapter 3 where they partake of the fruit of the vine and the foods in the field, but to also store up for those times of drought, to store up where it's not just selfish, it's for others. So when we're faithful to plow, faithful to get stuff out of our lives and plant and grow, it's for others. I mean, how many of us have been blessed by someone else? Everyone is here in this church 95% of people are here because of someone else. Because you saw fruit in someone's life. You saw something that was worth something. Something that was... Even that you're like, how in the world did they get to be like that? Because I remember when they were like this. And now they're like that. And something's, something must be going right. So you got here because you saw someone's fruit. And that's the reason why we plow, why we plant, why we harvest... It's to store up because someone needs it. I mean, you talk about drought, you talk about famine. I mean I've just been reading it and uh and Eric mentioned it the other day in uh Genesis chapter 41, probably the most intense famine that we saw was in the land of Egypt. Uh Genesis chapter 41. In fact, turn there with me. And we're we're closing soon. So, so I'm tell Mario. Uh Genesis chapter 41. So Pharaoh has a couple dreams with the, uh, with the cows and the stalks of grain where the, uh, the smaller eats the larger, I'm saying there's basically going to be seven years of plenty of abundance and there's going to be seven years of famine. Two dreams were interpreted and I'm just going to skip around starting in Verse 33. I'll read a few verses. And now let Pharaoh look for a discerning... This, um, <clears throat> this is Joseph talking to Pharaoh. It says, And now let Pharaoh look for a discerning and wise man and put him in charge of the land of Egypt. After he's been the only one to, to, to interpret dreams, so he's kind of plugging himself, I think. Let Pharaoh appoint... He, he probably wasn't. I can't say that. Let Pharaoh appoint commissioners over the land to take a fifth of the harvest of Egypt during the seven years of abundance. 20%, that 20% kind of stuck out to me. 20% of abundance. They should collect all the food of these good years that are coming and store up the grain under the authority of Pharaoh to be kept in the cities for food. This food should be held in reserve for the country to be used during the seven years of famine that will come upon Egypt so that the country may not be ruined by the famine. Let's skip down to verse 46. Joseph was 30 years old when he entered the service of Pharaoh, King of Egypt, and Joseph went out from Pharaoh's presence and traveled throughout Egypt during the seven years of abundance. The land produced plentiful, plentif, plentifully Jesus, uh, Joseph collected all the food produced in those seven years of abundance in Egypt and stored it in the cities in each city he put the food grown in the fields surrounding it. Joseph stored up huge quantities of grain like the sand of the sea. It was so much that he stopped keeping records because it was beyond measure. So as he was obedient and began storing up the fruit and the grain, began storing up the grain of the fields, it was knowing that something bad has happened. So how does that relate to us? How are we storing up? We've all been in seasons where maybe it's been a famine in our lives. There's been drought. There's been something going on. And we've been blessed mostly by people in this congregation that have had fruit, like, oh yeah, I'm let's just be let's be real about it. sometimes it's money. we've been blessed by money.' like, man, I don't know how I'm going to make it, and someone's blessed you and you're like, "Wow, like I had no idea. sometimes it's a spiritual blessing. sometimes it's like, man, I'm so dry i'm so I've had the worst week ever I don't know I just I'm showing up because I'm just because I'm being obedient and I want to be faithful, and you come in here and you're blessed. Because someone has toiled the land, because someone has produced a harvest, and the spirit of God falls on you and refreshes you and restores you and brings you back into full function with God and what He's called you to do. Amen. So you've seen this over and over again in our lives. You ask, well, "Why do we store up?" It? this it to be greedy. It's to hold the twenty percent, you know, for ourselves. No, it's to give out. I mean, why did? I mean, what ultimately was Joseph's role in, in storing all that up? He was Zophonoth-Paneah. They called him Savior of the world. The world as they knew it. It was a type of Jesus. But what he did is he rescued his family. He rescued Israel. They came because the drought was all over. So they came in. So the very nation that God had called and set apart and called his own people, Joseph was a part of that because he stored up. Because he plowed. But you know how, what he had 13 years of plowing? Before he was... What was he 17 right when he got kicked in, kicked in the hole and uh he was 30 years old when he entered the service of pharaoh so 13 years of plowing anybody want a 13 year plowing sentence you think you think your week's been bad 13 years man But well, he was faithful everywhere he was at he plowed faithfully whether it was in a house where he was being chased by delilah and not delilah, but you know what i'm saying by the evil temptress woman or if he was put in jail but he was faithful in jail he was faithful even when the guy that he interpreted dream for he was like remember me remember when you get there you know and he didn't but he was still faithful he still plowed the jail he still plowed he was put in charge and god god blessed him he was faithful thirteen years later that's a lot of plowing but there was a harvest that came because there was going to be a famine that came. And it all started from plowing in whatever season God had him in. So, whether he was kicked in a hole by his own family, sold off to slavery, sold in Potiphar's house, sold, you know, put in jail, all this stuff, he was faithful to plowing every field he was put in. Every season he was in, he plowed in season. Because he knew there was a harvest coming. Uh, I guess my question tonight, we've, and I won't bring it back, back up, but Eric talked about Matthew chapter 6 and Matthew chapter 13 just to mention it, storing up, talking about storing up treasures in heaven. What are we storing up in our lives? What is it, what's worth storing up in our lives? As teachers of the law, there's storerooms of new and old treasure, new teachings that we have in Matthew chapter 13. That we're supposed to be storing up. So, what are we, what, why? Are we just tilling because? Are we just plowing stuff? Are we just getting along with life, with everyday, boring, mundane life? Or is there a reason why we're doing what we're doing? Are we in the right field? And after you've answered that question that we are in the field that God has put us in, you plow it. You plow that field and you make that good soil to receive a seed because there's going to be a harvest, because there's going to be a time where people will need your fruit. And people need that 20%. They need the little more because you've worked a little more because they haven't, or that whatever. Someone's in need is in lacking, and they need your 20%. They need your fruit. They need to partake of that harvest. So I just encourage you in whatever season you're in, however mundane, however monotonous, however hard it seems, however many rows you gotta go, plow in your season. Be faithful to plow the season because there's gonna be a harvest. It Comes and there's going to be people that need to partake of that harvest to become who they have called, who God has called them to be, and to become that tree planted by streams of liver water that God has called you to be. So that's that. Come on, y'all, blessed by that word? Amen. Let's stand to our feet. Hallelujah. You know, one of the things I walk away from listening to J.J.'s word is that God does call the hard-headed. you got to be hard-headed to plow. Yeah. There's a polishing effect that happens, too. You ever seen a, a plow? It is shiny. Yeah. It's well-polished. It's got lots of dings in it, too, from hitting lots of rocks. And that's definitely one characteristic of Light Changing Ministries and Fellowship is that mm-hmm. we are designed to plow. Yes. We're nowhere. There's hardened ground. There's fallow ground. Yep. That's why we do missions. That's why we have... Uh, family development, and personal development through discipleship. So if you ever come in contact with us over something that's hard and difficult, we're using the word of God, realize we're trying to plow something that's going to bring harvest for you and other people around. It's a good word, JJ. Very good word.